0: Welcome to A Bigger Life, where you can break through the distractions, stop, listen, and speak to God in prayer. I'm Dave Cover. I want to help you use the Bible as your conversation with God so you can live a bigger life. A new episode of this podcast is downloaded every Tuesday and Thursday. But let's say you want to have a time of prayer, and you're just kind of wanting to do what we do here in this podcast. You get your Bible out, you turn to Psalm 80, and you read Psalm 80, and you're disappointed because you realize, you know what, I don't really resonate with most of this. I'm not even sure I understand most of this. So what do you do? Well, one thing you could do is just kind of close your Bible and say, yeah, I guess I can't do this on my own. This doesn't work. That's one option. That's not a good option at all. I think another option would be that you can get a good study Bible. I like the Zondervan Theological Study Bible. It has really good notes. Uh, The English Standard Version, the ESV uh, study Bible is pretty good. The NIV study Bible is pretty good. If you have a good study Bible, then you can read the notes at the bottom of the page and you can kind of understand what's happening. But even then, It's probably not going to inspire you to have a conversation with God, but you're trying to have a conversation with God. You want to do this on your own. Another option is to do what I do. This is what I've been doing for 40 years. And, you know, maybe uh, I don't, maybe some seminary professor somewhere is going to say this is not the right way to do it. I don't know. It's worked for me for 40 years. Let me give you what I do. What I do is I find phrases that resonate. With me, And I pray those. I'm not doing a Bible study. I'm not trying to do a paper on Psalm 80. I'm not trying to, I'm not going to lead a Bible study on Psalm 80. So Psalm 80 might be about some things that I'm not going to understand and that's okay. But in every Psalm, there is at least a few phrases that resonate with me as something that I can pray that I want to pray if I think about it. Actually, it's a good prayer that I can use to have a conversation with God, and Psalm 80 is filled with these kinds of phrases. So right off the bat, the very first phrase, verse one, give ear, O shepherd of Israel. Now I can stop right there, and I remember it seems like I've been a Christian long enough, let's just say you've been a Christian for a few years, and you've read parts of your New Testament, you've been to church, you've heard sermons, you remember somewhere Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd. And all of a sudden you start realizing this idea of shepherd being applied to God has an imagination to it. I don't understand a whole lot about shepherding. I've never shepherded sheep, you're thinking to yourself. But we've seen enough movies, we've read enough books, we get the idea. A shepherd takes care of the sheep. A shepherd makes sure the sheep are protected from wolves. And so you're starting to think now, okay, I can call God my shepherd. And I can remember Jesus said, I am the good shepherd in John 10. And so now I'm starting to think of Jesus as my shepherd, my good shepherd. And I stop here for a minute, and I'm just praying. Just something comes to my mind. Jesus, you are my shepherd. You say you are my good shepherd. And you start thinking of Jesus as your good shepherd. And then you read on in this verse and it says you who are enthroned among the cherubim and now you're getting lost what's a cherubim? You who are enthroned upon the sh- the cherubim shine forth. And so you're not getting all that and I will tell you that the the cherubim is a Hebrew word that means these powerful angels. They're powerful and angels not even the right word. They're powerful spiritual beings that stand before God at the throne of God. And the Bible gives us some sort of glimpse of this reality. And it became something represented on the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant was what God's presence was with his people in the Old Testament. That's what this is referring to. You don't have to know all this, but it does help to understand it. You who are enthroned upon the Caribbean, shine forth. And now it's talking about something where I might want to stop here for a minute. I don't know what caribbean is. I don't have to. But I can understand the words, you who are enthroned, shine forth. And I can start to use my imagination. I, I have to use my imagination if I'm going to understand what's, if I'm going to have a conversation with God, I have to use my imagination. And especially if I'm going to have a conversation with God through the Psalms, because it's highly poetic language. Poetry appeals to our emotion. It appeals to our imagination. We have to use our imagination to really benefit from it. So I'm going to stop here a minute, and I'm going to think of not just God as my good shepherd, Jesus as my good shepherd, but now I'm starting to think even more vertical than that. I'm starting to think of God enthroned over all creation. God is enthroned. And it says, shine forth. And now I'm starting to use this as my prayer. Oh, you who are enthroned, shine forth. And I'm thinking of God and his radiance, his glory, his beauty, his splendor, his holiness, his power. And so I read verse two and most of it doesn't resonate with me because it's mentioning tribes of Israel. But then there's this phrase at the end, come to save us. That's always my greatest need. If I'm ever thinking of praying to God and having a conversation with God, I can never go wrong by saying, oh, God, save me. And now I'm starting to realize that I can change in this psalm the word us to the word me, the word we to the word I. And I can start to personalize this psalm and personalize the phrases that I resonate with this psalm, that resonate with me, and I can start to use this Psalm to have a conversation with God. Oh God, come to save me. You who are enthroned over your entire creation upon your throne, shine forth. Show me your glory. Show me in some way. Shine forth in my life and save me. And then I read verse three Restore us. Again, I'm going to change it to me. Restore me, oh God. Let your face shine that I may be saved, because my greatest need is for you to save me, to, well, what this verse says, restore me, heal me. And I read this phrase, let your face shine. And if I've been a part of this podcast, this is not the first time I've seen this phrase. I'm thinking about a few episodes ago on Psalm 67. If you remember that episode, if you remember that that goes back to the first blessing that God told Moses to bless the people of Israel in Numbers 6.25. May God be gracious to you, and may God make his face to shine upon you and bless you and give you peace. And we're thinking through this whole thing on God's face shining upon us. We're remembering what Paul writes in Second Corinthians 4.6. The God who said, let light shine in darkness, made his light to shine in our hearts, to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. You don't have to know all this here in this psalm. I'm just going back to a couple episodes ago because I think it does help us to say this phrase and to go ahead and say it the way Psalm 67 says it. Let your face shine upon me. Restore me, O God. Let your face shine upon me. Your grace upon me. Bless me. Make shine in my heart the light of the knowledge of your glory in the face of Christ. May the face of Christ shine in me and shine in my heart that I would be restored more and more today, that I would be saved. And you can think through whatever it is that you need this. Where do you need to be restored? Where do you need to be saved right now? What's heavy on your heart that you need God to make His face shine upon you and restore you in some way, save you in some way. Because this is the second time we've seen this phrase in this psalm, come to save me. Let your face shine upon me that I might be saved. Restore me, O God. O Lord, God of hosts, it says in verse 4. The NIV translates that, Lord God Almighty. This is the idea, the highest thing you can say of God. He is Yahweh, the I Am, God, Most High, Almighty. He is enthroned over all His creation. And now you're starting to have a conversation with God where you're really lifting up your eyes, you're looking up, and you're starting to see your life vertically, and you're seeing God Himself as your greatest need to save you. He is the good shepherd. He is the one enthroned over all the universe, and he shines forth in his glory, his brightness, his goodness, his love, his beauty, his radiance, his righteousness, his holiness. And you need him more than you need anything else in the universe because he's the only one who can give you life. He's your creator. He is the I am. He is the source of all that exists. He's the author of all life. And he is the only one who can restore you and save you. And you need him to make his face to shine upon you. You get to verse 7 and it says again, Restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. And you notice that, hey, this is is repeating the same thing that it said in verse 3. And you notice that the repetition is there for a reason. Repetition is always for a reason in the Bible. And it starts to become something that repeating it feels good to you. Restore me, O God Almighty, God of hosts. Let your face shine upon me that I might be saved. And you start to say it out loud. Saying it out loud does something more than just thinking it in your prayers. You start to say it out loud and you start to repeat it. And you read verse a. You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove... Out the nations and planted it. And you're not understanding that verse necessarily, but that word vine sounds familiar. And if you've been a Christian for a while, you start to remember what Jesus talked about this. He talked about a an owner planting a vineyard, and that's a parable he says in Matthew 20. And the vineyard was his kingdom, his people, and the vineyard was his true possession that the son came to take back from those who tried to steal it. But then you start to think about what Jesus said in John chapter 15, I am the true vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, whoever remains in me. And you start to realize that Jesus is ultimately this vine. And you start to think about that for a little bit. And now you're thinking about Jesus and he's the vine. He's something about this bigger story, this bigger plan that God is doing, that is fulfilled in Jesus as the vine, and I'm a branch, and I live as I abide in him. And then you read a bunch of verses you don't understand, and you get to verse 17, but let your hand be upon the man of your right hand, the son of man, whom you have made strong for yourself. And you remember that very recently in this podcast, we were talking about at your right hand as referring to Jesus. And we think about what David says in Psalm 110, verse 1, that Jesus himself quoted as about himself, as about the Christ, as about the Messiah. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Now, you may or may not know that Psalm, and you may not know that quote of Jesus when he's trying to talk about himself with those who are talking about to him In Matthew, that doesn't matter. What does matter is that phrase, your right hand resonates with you as being ultimately about Christ. And so now when you read this second phrase, the son of man, and you remember that was Jesus's favorite reference to himself as the son of man. And you start to realize, okay, you're reading a psalm that is part of a bigger story, the shepherd, the vine, the son of man, At your right hand, and you're starting to maybe suspect that Jesus had spent quite a bit of time in this psalm himself. And a lot of his teaching comes from the inspiration of this psalm. And you're starting to realize that this psalm is prophetic in a way, maybe beyond even the knowledge of the author, talking about the Son of Man that God will make strong for himself, that will be at his right hand, and you start to realize this has all been part of God's plan, Jesus as the good shepherd, Jesus as the vine, Jesus at the right hand of God as the son of man, as the perfect man, as the Christ, as the king, and he is the good shepherd. And you start to realize that this is a psalm about the bigger story that your life is in, that you want to be in, And you need God to come and to save you and to restore you and to make his face shine upon you, that you may be saved by this good shepherd, by this true vine, by this son of man who is at the right hand of God, representing you. And you read in verse 18, give us life and we will call upon your name. And you personalize it. Oh God, give me life and I will call upon your name, the I am the good shepherd, the true vine, the true son of man at the right hand of God. And now you read for a third time the last verse, Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. It even went further. Other times it says, O God of hosts. Other times it says, O God. But now it's gone all the way with, O Lord God of hosts. This is just sort of a final third extension, exalting God, but saying the same thing, Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. And you start to realize this has been repeated three times. I'm going to repeat this phrase in my prayer, and I might even remember it and repeat it throughout the day because this is my greatest need. Restore me, O God, Yahweh, the I Am, the source of all existence. Restore me, the giver of all life. Give life to me. God who is enthroned, make shine in my heart. Shine your face upon me, your glory in my life, your light into my life, your love into my life, your beauty into me, your radiance. Give me life by your radiance, by your light, that I may be saved, that I may be restored. Save me, restore me. Make your face shine upon me. Give me life that I may call upon your name. Come and save me you who are enthroned, shine forth. And you're using your imagination to think of God shining forth his glory into your life, his radiance into your life, his life into your life, and his light into your life. You're thinking of the radiance of God's face shining upon you, the I am, the creator of the universe, who is your father, Jesus says. And he's looking at you 100% because he's infinite He can look at you 100% without looking at anything else, any, any less. And you start to see this God who is enthroned over the entire universe as your shepherd, as the one looking at you with his face of glory. And he brings you to his right hand through Jesus because he's going to restore you and save you and give you life. And you want to remember this phrase throughout the day, restore me, O Lord God. Let your face shine upon me that I may be saved. And you just say it. You just repeat it. Restore me, O God. Let your face shine upon me that I may be saved. And you're thinking of all the ways that God needs to save you today, restore you today, help you today, to give you life today. And you're calling upon his name at different times throughout the day. And you're having a conversation with God through His Word, written by the Holy Spirit. And that's a power you will find nowhere else in the universe. Restore me, O God, Lord God, the I Am. Let Your face shine upon me and save me. Give me life. Amen. Thanks for listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give it a rating so people can find this content more easily or consider texting it to a friend or posting it on social media. Thanks for listening.